0: The Defiant Spirit, Baruch Levy, be here with my good friend, Julie Mouse. Hey, Julie.
1: Hi, B. Thanks for having me again.
0: Thanks for coming back, seventh time. This is Enneagram Seven. In case anybody's just joining us, Julie and I, we've done more podcasts in this series, but this series has been our, certainly our longest run, trying to go through all nine of the Enneagram types, Ennea means nine, looking at them through the lens of. Julie's expertise, she wears many hats, not the least of which in addition to her Enneagram hat is her mindfulness hat. Um, And so Julie will tell you about that in a second, but we're wedding these two things, which really were born to go together, the Enneagram and mindfulness and built around Dr. Viktor Frankl's idea that between stimulus things happening to us and our choosing to either react or respond, there's a space. And in that space lies our power to choose our response. And so we're talking about the space, becoming mindful, becoming conscious, choosing our response, and each of the Enneagram types is going to have different sets of things that they're up against and different choices to make. So Julie, before we jump into Enneagram seven, a little bit about mindfulness and how you see it wed together with the Enneagram.
1: Yeah, I am passionate about both of those things. And the reason is because what differentiates the Enneagram from all the other personality tests is this ability to see where your better choices are. How can you be a better version of yourself, right? And But it's just like all the personality tests. If you just learn about that, if you don't also learn that when you pause, you can see that you can choose to do things differently. So when you learn about the Enneagram, you learn what those tendencies, your habitual tendencies, when a stimulus happens or when a stressor happens. And it's great you learn about those tendencies, but if you don't learn to pause in that moment, most of us, we go right into our habitual responses. We yeah. have a really hard time even just seeing that this is a different way to do it. And so when you learn... What I call the magic of the pause, which is a lot of what you learn in, in basic mindfulness practices, you can pause. And this is where the Viktor Frankl quote marries these two together so well. You can pause and actually feel that space where every ounce of your body is trying to get you to do something one way, even though it's an un- you know it's an unhealthy way. But once you learn about the Enneagram, you start to see that and you start to see what your healthier choice is. And once you start choosing that, you see some real growth and change in your life.
0: Totally. So otherwise, it just becomes a cocktail party conversation yeah. or a pickup line. Hey, what's your number? Yeah. Right. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Now, nothing left. Nothing else. What, you know, what you're saying is the way the Enneagram was evolved, it didn't, nobody created it. It's just evolved over thousands of years is this is a road map. For consciousness and conscious mm-hmm. living, I would say another differentiator between this and other personality tests—nothing wrong with them—but they certainly aren't, you know, evolving over thousands of years. But even more importantly, when I do Myers Briggs, I'm an INFJ. Do you know your type? Yeah, I'm an ENFP. <laughs> Those are like almost opposite. Um, so, yeah. so, um, and it's interesting too. You're the nine, and you're the E, and I'm the eight, and I'm the I, right? The mm-hmm. introvert, mm-hmm. opposite That you would. Think. but bottom line is you're one or the other. Right. And what I love about the Enneagram, and if you're listening is you have seven in you, we all have all of these nine energies or pathways or roadblocks and response paths. And so as you're listening to it, and we go into Enneagram seven, you don't need to say, well, this isn't my type. Therefore I'm checking out. You can say, I don't have a lot of access to this energy and I want more. Or maybe it's my core type and I have too much access to it. And I'd like to harness that a little more. But all nine are within you. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And then even I was just talking to my brother this morning. He's a seven. And I'm not a seven, but I was talking to him about how our family has this seven culture to it. Mm -hmm. Like we glorify the, the seven way of being. And so we're all very familiar with it.
0: That's interesting too. Another conversation for another day, but I know you come from a very large Catholic family. Mm-hmm. And when I think of Catholicism, I think of the one. Mm-hmm. And the seven is almost this line that keeps that one in balance, right? I have a right. Oh, that would be an interesting conversation too.
1: Oh, yeah. We could have a whole podcast on that.
0: We're going to do it, come back for Catholicism and um, the Enneagram. I want to do one on Judaism and Christianity. So, bottom line is that's not today's topic. Today's topic and I don't want to um, fail to get to it quickly, probably not quickly enough. (laughs) Enneagram sevens may have already turned the dial. They may have already moved on to greener pastures. Enneagram seven, the enthusiast, the optimist, the epicure, Mm -hmm. any other names? Dreamer. Dreamer, visionary. You get the vibe.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. You know, I, I, don't always, I can't always tell the vibe of a person, but usually with seven, except for one of the subtypes, which we're not going to get into by and large, I can tell when they got a seven thing going on. It may not be their core type. It may be part of their, their whole type or called tri type. So maybe it's how they think, even if it's not necessarily their dominant type, but you can feel when you're in the presence of a seven. Would you agree with that?
1: Oh yeah. And as a nine, I notice a natural just kind of affinity for sevens because they get me you know the nine tends to like you know hold back and and maybe sloth be a little slothful where when i'm around a seven i feel my energy uplift i mean i i used to say like every friend i have is either a seven or has a high seven because it makes me feel good about myself just being around them because that energy is contagious
0: they're almost a yin and a yang. I would say seven and five are real yin and yang, but seven and seven and nine are almost like that too. Yeah. I am mean, I, you know, I react and respond like an eight and there's a lot of similarity with that space between seven and eight. That, but eights tend to be more intense. Yes. Uh, there's more of an anger fuel versus seven, which is more of a fun fuel. Exactly. And who doesn't like the fun fuel? I mean, I wish I had more of that.
1: Right, right. right. Oh, a friend of mine recently said that, said something about that I know everyone wants to be a seven but it's not easy being a seven and that might be a good segue into, into the the shadow side
0: the sevens are one of the types where they get romanticized into because even if you look at the personalities you know in my system I I do not hold by this as hard data science but it vibe and you look at a Brad Pitt and a George Clooney and a you know just uh, Matthew McConaughey and um, thinking of um, like, um, what's her name, Cameron Diaz. These are people like that just, we want to be around. We want to be like them. Mm -hmm. And well, you know, here's another one is my favorite example is Jim Carrey. Oh yeah. Right, I love this example because I want to be him. And then you find out later, or Robin Williams is another one. You find out later that, you know, what's going on underneath the surface isn't always in alignment with, What's being presented above the surface? Mm, That's dangerous territory.
1: Right. I think a lot of even sevens themselves, when they find out, um, you know, they're in the thinking triad, the head triad, so similar to the five and the six. But when they find out that they are so, or when I talk to them about how, well, see, you just, you're in your head, you're thinking dominant, you're constantly churning, their eyes open wide. And it's almost like, wow, you know that? You know that I'm spinning? Because a lot of people who don't know that about sevens might think that they're just carefree and fly by the seat of your pants. But actually all that doing is in order to get out of this incessant churning that just won't stop.
0: It's a huge distinction. If you're if you're watching, you can see behind me the Enneagram. If not, you've seen the Enneagram. You can Google it. Five, six, and seven, as Julie's referring to, are the head triad. And what's interesting is seven and eight, even though they have the same vibe, they're in different triads. I'm part of the gut or the body triad as an eight. And that's where that intensity and that anger comes from. Mm -hmm. Whereas seven's energy is coming much more from the head, Mm -hmm. which is a seat of lots of things, not the least of which is our anxiety. Mm -hmm. And and I see this all the time too, Julie, where you name that for a seven and it's almost like you outed them because Mm -hmm. they want to present like they were the eight, like they were the go-getter, the doer. But the difference is, it's like they're trying to outmove, outmaneuver, outrun their anxiety.
1: Yeah, this friend of mine even said that she's trying to trick her mind into settling down by doing stuff.
0: Um, so it's, it and then what happens with them is that, that generates juice, energy, and then it's faster, it's faster, it's faster, mm-hmm. and it's never enough. No. Right. And that's the, one of the challenges with seven is can they stop pursuing every idea, every direction, every experience? And can they learn to stand still, which is a tall order sometimes for a seven?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, to just be. And I, I think that's because when they stand still, all of a sudden they start to feel those feelings that they've been pushing away so hard that all this thinking and doing helps keep those feelings at bay. And um, this friend of mine even said, described it to me that it, that there's almost a fear that if she stops that she won't be able to handle the feelings that'll flood in. So if I just keep going, then I won't. And, and why wouldn't everyone do that? You know, there's this like everyone out there must be just afraid of their feelings
0: and it's particularly hard for sevens because although i do believe america where we're recording this certainly the west is a began as a three culture achievement and doing i do believe it's morphed into a seven culture which is much more of a go wide not deep experience everything like you jump from facebook to twitter to whatever like there's this jumping energetic can't keep up anymore. We can't sit still. So now you add that to somebody who's already uh, prone to that challenge. Mm -hmm. That's a really hard thing to resist.
1: Yeah. And then it feeds on itself because if you don't sit with your feelings, you don't learn, you know, if you spend many years as a seven thinking and doing in order to prevent feeling, then when something horrible happens, it's like, you almost don't know how to, where to start. You, You haven't experienced that.
0: And our culture just keeps like reinforcing, like with Instagram, I see with my one of my daughters on Instagram, Yeah, like that's a seven, like she doesn't even, it's like when I used to flip through the channels, you know, back in the old days when we used to watch regular TV, so mm-hmm. fast. Right? was like, what are you doing? It's so fast. And that's a seven energy of, no, there's gotta be something better out there. There's gotta be something better. Well, now what do you do when it's in your hand all day, every day? That's a lot of pressure on a seven.
1: Well, and so to bring the mindfulness piece in, right? When I try to talk to sevens about what gets them out of their mind and and encourage them to try and practice some mindfulness practice, coming to stillness so they can feel. One of the things a lot of them answer is just, "Well, well, I can just put on a Netflix show. That gets me out of my mind. Or I can scroll through the, that gets me out of my mind. So there's so much out there that they use and I'm like, that's not getting you out of your mind. That's just putting more thoughts. <laughs> but yes, it's it works because it stops that incessant spiral, but it's not helping you learn to get out of your mind or to get in touch with your feelings, which is what they really need.
0: Um, yes. And coming back to what you said before, you know, I love the Enneagram because it deals in cause, not just in effect. Mm, like the underlying... Yeah what's underneath, and you already said it, but sevens have this core fear. Every type has a core fear, but the sevens fear, to me, it's a double fear. um, And I never know which one to pin it on. Maybe they're the same thing. One is suffering, negativity, darkness, whatever you wanna call it. Some of the the denser, darker experiences or emotions in life. And the other side of it is limitation, um, lack of freedom, right? Feeling stuck. And I guess those two things could go hand in hand, but there's certainly two things I see that sevens really struggle with. I think there's some connection there to the nine too.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of avoidance of suffering with the nine, but the the difference is, is that the nine just needs to feel a sense of inner peace. And so suffering doesn't, doesn't bring that sense of inner peace. Mm-hmm. But for the seven, they're avoiding suffering because – if they're not doing, if they're not doing, then they're not okay.
0: Um, but there's also this piece of not just that they're not okay. I think there's a deep fear in the seven energy of, I can't handle what's underneath this. Yeah. And, and here's a yes. great, here's a great example. This is my favorite example of it. Peter Pan. Peter Pan is oftentimes likened to a seven, the boy who mm-hmm. doesn't want to grow up. Yeah. He lives in Never Never Land. You know wendy remember the his playmate is in real sort of real life if you will was um growing up and becoming more mature and she was passing him by and and there was this moment when um he's in her bedroom and he's wrestling with his shadow and he can't catch his shadow and then he catches it and he's like wrestling and he finally he's trying to stick his shadow onto his foot and he can't do it he can't own his shadow and then she helps him sew it on Mm -hmm. And I think that there's this primal fear for a seven that they just can't handle their shadow or the life's shadows. Mm -hmm. That's, that's scary.
1: Yeah. And so, and they think that they're protecting themselves from that. Right. And they don't realize that they're missing a whole part of life. Like embracing what's uncomfortable is part of it. Like in, um, Uh, that movie Inside Out. There's no joy without sadness. They go together. So if you can't stop and be in your sadness and feel that there's kind of a disconnection with other people.
0: I've seen oil and water combinations with sevens and fours, fours, the individualists, the romantic. They're the natural dark seekers. They, yeah. they, they comfortable see, with discomfort. They, they like they, they own their shadow. They probably have to like let it go, right? So mm-hmm. sevens can I, I've seen it literally. I have a combination in my life that's seven and four, where the seven just looks at the four like you are like dark and disturbing. Yeah, and the four <laughs> looks at the seven like you are shallow and superficial. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and there's this like misunderstanding of both of each each other they each need what the other has to Mm -hmm. And that's why they're also why they're on opposite sides of the, uh, the Enneagram almost because they're just like yin counterbalances. Mm -hmm. So can a seven learn to own their shadow, to sit in the discomfort, to sit still? Um, what else does a seven grapple with?
1: Well, I was talking to my sister, who's a seven about this and in the work environment, she says that sometimes she can be seen as dismissive she's had people say that because when people come to her with problems she just wants to she's like i just want to intellectualize and i'll be like well have you read this great book or have you and then they get upset with me like i'm just completely dismissing them because i've reframed it into oh you shouldn't feel that way you should you know try this it's great and she thinks she's being helpful um, but she said, yeah. I've learned that sometimes people, it feels dismissive is the word. And, you know, it's so sad when I hear her say that because she's, she cares so deeply. She would never want someone to feel dismissed.
0: And that's such a good point because sevens reframe negative into positive. Mm-hmm. They're part of the positivity triad where nines, sevens, and twos all have their different ways of what I call being toxic positivity. Yeah toxic positivity. Yes. And and like positive is good until there's negative data that you need to incorporate. And if you don't, you're being Pollyanna. You're looking past the reality. And sevens get accused of this quite often, like, you know, like your sister's describing when it's not that they're trying to look past the negative data. That's just their default.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or uh, she described another scene at work where she's kind of in a really intense stressful environment and everyone's coming to her for answers and she goes I just sometimes shut down and I start ignoring people because I'm just trying to focus and get one thing done um but it's like I have this ability as a 7 the superpower to just just ignore everyone everyone who I don't want to pay attention to and again that
0: you know dismissive thing can come up because the flip side of that there's always a shadow and a light the light side of that is that's why they're the visionaries yeah They can see forward down the road, you know, like they have this ability to hyper-focus. It's not that they're always scattered. They can become scattered in reaction and be like that dog from the movie up where every time there's a squirrel, he's talking squirrel. Squirrel. (laughs) Yeah. Right. But the flip side of that is they can become laser focused on the future,
1: which Mm -hmm. is the direction
0: they look towards and people feel left behind or left out or unseen.
1: Mm, Yeah. Right. And I think that waking up to that for a seven is really important. Noticing um, that people, they might give people that sense that they don't care. Um, and if they can, so here's where we go into mindfulness is the ability to respond for it. Because when a seven slows down, just slow everything down and come in contact with their feelings they probably will notice that this person, oh, this person needs more than just an intellectual answer. They need me to sit and listen to them or just be with them.
0: It's the feedback I hear from partners of sevens all the time. He or she is not present. Mm -hmm. They're they're just not here. They're not in the present moment or they're not taking responsibility for present moment responsibilities.
1: (laughs) and
0: it's because lots of reasons not the least of which is again they're they're literally not in the present they're not in their bodies they're in their head they're in the future they're dreaming they're planning they're doing something that isn't here and that leaves the people around them feeling unseen or unimportant i even saw this recently i was at a like a cocktail party event and i was talking to somebody who i believe was a seven I knew they were a seven because they were looking over my shoulder while talking to me. And I, I know they saw a better opportunity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I wasn't.
1: Right. They're just always kind of thinking ahead and planning for the next thing. And it makes, uh, I, my friend was telling me this story. Like I'll be on the airplane on the way home from a great trip and I'll start talking about the next trip we're going to take. And my husband will be like, can we just, can we just be in this great feeling we have from the trip we just took.
0: <laughs> totally. Yeah. I, I think like a seven. I'm not a seven, but I do think like a seven. So I get it and I empathize. Um, here's an interesting technique I've discovered with sevens, random, but effective. Sevens are all, not all, they're, they by and large are touchy, feely, huggy types, right? There are certain types, like a one, I would never go up and embrace up one in a bear hug. Mm-hmm. But sevens just they're they're even introverted sevens are extroverts. Mm-hmm. Right? There's just this natural connection they have. So and they're not naturally body people, they're head people, but you can get them into their body by a back slap. Like, "Hey, buddy, you know," or or, you know, if you're obviously appropriately, you know, with this person touching them to get them into their body, holding their hand, taking them by the shoulder. They're the kind that they like that interaction. Yeah, and but I, they might not seek it. Like they, they're not, they're not the one it. who's
1: going to go out and give the hug. <laughs> and
0: but, they
1: might even give you a feeling that you shouldn't do that. It, right. Even that's exactly what they need.
0: But there's this like grounding, right? Getting them into their body mm-hmm. kind of a thing. And just what I, and not just touch, but it's almost like, when I um, go out go out with a seven on like a coffee date or something, you know, a meeting, I, I try and find places that are the least distracting as possible mm. to get them into the present moment, grounded here and now. And just knowing that they're just driven to distraction and whatever you can do to to just ground them. That's a word that I come back to over and over. Helps a seven be present.
1: Mm hmm. Uh, oh absolutely and then when a seven's present you can actually really feel it um i my niece is a seven and she said that it, she, when she is in that present moment it's almost like cathartic because it's a letting go of this restlessness she has all the time that she just all of a sudden feels this catharsis moment where she's like oh my god i'm in my body oh my god i feel it um she's a runner and she's like it's like that moment where i stop thinking about like, how am I doing on this run? And is this getting me towards the goal for my marathon? And did I run a melon enough today and all this stuff. And I just start enjoying the journey of the run and I'll look up and I'll see the trees and what's around me and I'll feel my body and just enjoy the process. I think that's a lot for seven is they get so focused on future that they forget to enjoy what's here right now, or they get so focused on what can bring me happiness? They forget the happiness that exists right
0: here right now. I do think it's why sevens tend to like activities so much, not just because they have a hard time sitting still, but they like um it it puts their mind like I jog, and it puts my mind at ease mm-hmm. right it, like it's so you do something with your thinking as opposed to just sitting in your thinking, yeah, right. so I, I meet a lot of them who are mountain climbers or hikers or water skiers or Snow skiers. I mean, just doing. Mm -hmm. Now, look, it's a it's a double-edged sword. Partially, that comes because of their inability sometimes to sit still. Mm -hmm. Partially, that comes from a self-awareness of knowing they need to do something to quiet their mind.
1: Have you did you know many sevens during COVID where COVID was just such a gift for them because it was a forced slowdown.
0: I did. It's a weird thing too, because it was, it was a love hate. Either they loved it or they hated it.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. The ones who are able to see it as an opportunity, like, Oh wow, this is different for me. And it actually feels good.
0: Sevens and twos. Those are the two types that really felt like, Oh God, thank God because sevens and twos probably are the most, two of the most present types in other people's lives. Mm, you know sevens sevens are not naturally reclusive fives can be nines can be fours can be sevens are naturally out in the world
1: yeah right right And so this forced to slow down where they're forced to um connect more with that line to five of solitude and what comes up and and maybe being with some of the suffering that comes up and realizing that that's a good thing to deal with the suffering i've had in my life i feel like a better better person.
0: 7's only benefit when they can face um and embrace life's darker moments, life, you know, the darker reality, suffering realities that we all have to face. I say this quite often, but I don't work with any 7s until midlife or onwards. I every time I've tried, it doesn't work. They don't stick around for the coaching or the counseling until they've had what, you know, Kabbalah we call it a shattering. Mm-hmm. It can be a divorce, can be the loss of a parent, can be financial despair, whatever it is. until they've hit that and they're ready to stand in it, it's just very hard to pin down a seven.
1: Yeah, very hard to get them to see that they're they have suffering because you know if they haven't had anything, they've had to had, had anything drastic happen to them, they can kind of ignore suffering. It's just pretend it's not there. And even some who do have something bad continue to ignore it. I've seen that too.
0: <laughs> it's it's definitely one of the least representative of the types that I work with. Um, when yeah. I put all my clients on a chart, seven is not overly represented for that reason. Doesn't mean they can't do the work. It just means that they're wired to to run, and I guess that's probably you know a natural segue into the work that you do, helping all types defy their number right and and not run not react but huge
1: well, and, and you know i say this almost as every number like me- mindfulness practice is so good for this number and here's why and i'm going to add this mindfulness practice for 7 is so good for the world because so many of them run our companies and run things because of their, their visionary leaders they're they're natural entrepreneurs and so they tend to be in these positions where they have underlings that they're taking care of, or they're in charge of, or they're the boss of. And if they can learn to be in touch with their feelings and to be still, their ability to lead exponentially increases.
0: I work with a company here in town in Denver, and it's led by, a. it's founded by Seven, it's led by a Seven. Um, They have an executive leadership team. Every single person on that team either was a seven or thought like a seven. Mm -hmm. And there were no fives or sixes either represented or thinking like fives or sixes. And one of the conversations we had, and I got data from around the rest of the company, the employees, there was a glass ceiling. And if people couldn't keep up with that energy, but not just the energy, just that quick thinking, they were looked down upon. It was Mm -hmm. like a second-class citizen. And what you do when you talk to the fives is they don't make decisions quickly right? They need time to process, you know, nines too. (laughs) nines, but, but you think like a five, right? No, I think, I think like a seven. Oh, you do think like a seven. Mm -hmm. So if you were a nine five and I know a lot of nine fives, that means you act like a nine, but you think like a five, there's a real methodical, you know, nature to the process and sevens like, just back to your point, if they're leading companies and disproportionately they're leading companies or organizations, they need to take into account that when they slow down, other people get to catch up.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and we need their energy a little slower.
0: <laughs> yeah, so we can keep pace. And you know, they'll we'll never keep pace with a seven, maybe an eight will, but <laughs> nobody else will. But um, and the, you know, good leadership is being out front, but not too far out front. And that's work mm-hmm. of a seven. Well, so, and
1: leadership is relational, right? is is having that relationship with the people that you lead. Brene Brown talks about that all the time. Is it being so primary? So a seven needs to get in touch with their heart in order to have that relationship with the people they lead.
0: Totally. So let's uh, you know just pause for a second. get ready for our mindfulness moment. Julie has been leading us um, very mindfully in a guided, you know, visualization, meditation, mindfulness practice. So we're going to take a few minutes to do that. And then um, we'll wrap it up on the other side. But as we have been starting each mindfulness practice with Dr. Viktor Frankl's quote, here you go. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space lies our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our happiness. This is expanding the space for Enneagram 7, The Enthusiast.
1: So I'm just going to lay the groundwork before we begin and just say we've been talking a lot about how sevens are thinking dominant and what's so powerful about a meditation practice for you sevens out there or any of you who are in relationship with a seven to experience this is when they pause and get into their body, they can actually get in touch with their feeling, the feeling center that's a little repressed. And for all the reasons we've talked about today, that's so critical in them being the best version of themselves and then being able to balance their doing with a certain sense of feeling. So the people that they love in their life, don't feel this dismissive thing going on. Um, So we're, I'm going to take you through a mindfulness practice where you really learn to ground into your body. And then I'm going to take you through um, a vision a little bit of something that makes you uncomfortable. I've heard that a great practice for seven is every day to ask themselves what makes me uncomfortable. So they just sit with that, that feeling and get to know it and, as a practice. And then lastly, we're gonna do a, what I call a little loving kindness practice because since sevens are a little feeling repressed, bringing that sense of loving kindness into you can on a regular basis and a little practice can help you bring more of that out to the world. So we're just going to start, sit up tall wherever you're sitting and let your hands rest softly on your lap and either close your eyes or lower your gaze and then take two deeper than normal breaths. And when you exhale, feel your shoulders roll back and down. And then with head types, I like to start by bringing your attention to your feet because it's the furthest away from your head. And now for sevens, a lot of times in meditation, they will just think about the anchor for attention. I don't want you to think about your feet. I want you to feel your feet. So what do you feel here? The contact with the floor, maybe the space between your toes, a sense of temperature, the sense of your sock or your shoe or the ground beneath you and you're just anchoring your attention and it's a beautiful way to bring your attention out of your mind. What do I feel in my feet right now? Give your body a break from the incessant incessant thinking and just bring your awareness to your feet. And then each time your mind gets distracted or wanders That's your opportunity to practice what we learn in mindfulness, to practice coming into your body, coming into feeling. What do you feel in your feet? And now let's move this same practice from the feet to your hands. What sensations do you feel in your hands right now? So not thinking about your hands, or maybe that's what comes up first. See if you can sense any feeling there. So the contact of your hands with your legs, the feel of the fabric of your pants, the space between your fingers, tingling, pulsing at your fingertips. Keep noticing sensation and just like with the feet notice when the mind wanders and without judgment just bring your attention back notice too if there's a sense of urgency like how much longer is this meditation um, I don't know if I have time to finish this. That's something to get to know because that's what drives you to come out of feeling. So see if you can just stay with the sensation in your hands. It's not a long practice. Now, when you're ready, bring your awareness to your abdomen and see if you can feel your breath here. If you have a hard time feeling your breath here, you can put a hand on your belly, but see if you can put all your awareness on the sensation of the expansion in your belly as you breathe in. The pause and the contraction as you breathe out. And keep following the sensation, the feeling of your breath in your belly. Just like with the hands and feet, notice when your mind gets pulled away or when your attention goes up into your mind. And see if you can just, without judging that, invite your attention back to the next breath. Now we're going to indulge you sevens out there a little bit, let you come up into your mind and picture something that makes you feel uncomfortable, something going on in your life right now, currently that's uncomfortable. And if you're having trouble thinking of something because you are our positive type, maybe think of something that is boring for you, something that makes you feel trapped or limited in any way, something... That um, if you are not delivering on a promise that you made to someone for a plan, maybe it's not having anything to look forward to. Just find something that makes you feel uncomfortable and picture that in your mind, almost like a 3D image of this uncomfortable thing. And then see if you can notice how your body is feeling as a result of bringing this uncomfort to mind, this discomfort to mind. What do you notice? And maybe it's spiraling thoughts about the event or the situation. But maybe often a seven will feel like energy moving up and out because they want to do something about what's going on. They don't want to sit in this feeling, and see if you can notice that. Just notice what you're feeling in your body. It's good to get to know how your body feels when you're in this space of discomfort. Maybe there's a rising in your chest or in your face, that sense of restlessness. Not trying to change it, just noticing it. Now I invite you to let go of the image and the sensation you're having. If you noticed anything and come back to your breath at your belly. So come back to focusing on the sensation of the rise and fall of your abdomen. And notice if you keep popping up into your mind or if that thought of the uncomfortable situation arises again, that's just opportunity to practice. So notice it and bring your attention back to the next breath. Notice now how your body feels after just redirecting your attention back to your belly. If it feels any different from when you were thinking of the uncomfortable thought. There's no way you're supposed to feel or not feel. I'm just inviting you to notice. Keep redirecting your attention to the belly, feeling your breath here. Now we're going to add one more piece to this. As you breathe in, picture a warm white light coming from the crown of your head all the way down your body from your chest to your belly, all the way down your legs, filling you up. And then as you breathe out, picture that light emanating from your heart and outward towards somebody in your life that you know could use a little love. So you breathe in this warm loving kindness into your body, feel your whole body fill up with this energy. And then you breathe out and feel the energy coming from your heart out to another person in your life that you think could use a little, use a little of that energy you possess. So breathing in for you, feeling your body as you breathe in, breathing out for another, Feeling your body let go as you breathe out. One more deep breath in, and a slow, softening exhale. And As you're ready, just soften your posture and open your eyes. And maybe notice one last time how your body feels after that short mindfulness practice. I can't encourage you, if you're a seven or any of us, because we have all nine energies in us, how valuable it is to tune in, even in just little moments of the day, maybe even just one breath like that, where you picture a white light filling you up and you picture giving that light to another person that takes all of, you know, three seconds. But any way that you can encourage all of us, encourage some of that four energy, bringing that that feeling and that sensation on board in any way that we can, um, can make a big difference.
0: Thank you very much, Julie. Um, The Enneagram seven in us and all of you Enneagram sevens out there, the virtue of the Enneagram seven, what I think of as sort of the pathway back is presence. Mm -hmm. Sobriety, but um, I really think of it as being present, present moment awareness. So I do think you're right for all Enneagram types, mindfulness is essential, but for sevens, in many ways, it's the pathway home.
1: I might just add to that just because if you're new to any mindfulness practice and you're seven out there i got to put a little plug for yoga because sometimes that can be the entry into meditation being able to sit still because you know yoga is really a moving meditation and it's a, it's a bringing your attention into your body over and over again as you move and sometimes for people that's the way they can do it or it's their entry into a more still practice
0: so with that, all of you Enneagram Sevens, go out and find yourself a good yoga class, mindfulness meditation, listen to Julie's meditations. Visit her at mindfulmouse.com or yes. you can check her out on the Defiant Spirit, my site, uh, business page, where We work together with a colleague, Katie, and we're bringing this to um, many of you Sevens who are CEOs or leaders of organizations. So bring us into your organization, Bring this teaching into your life and get out there and defy your number and live your spirit. Thanks so much, Julie.
1: Thanks, me.